Welcome to The Truth for Today from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. I'm Pastor Joe Faldet. This sermon was preached on January 3rd, 2021. Happy New Year. Our sermon today is from Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. If you'd please rise, that's found on page 9 in your worship folder. Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. That read in Jesus' name. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judah, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there is no room for them, no place for them in the inn. Let us pray. Father, as we come now and worship you, through meditating on your word, through seeking to apply it to our lives, Lord, we pray that you would work and that you would be honored and that you would bless us, Lord, that we might see how the truth of who you are applies into our lives. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today we're talking about sovereignty. And as I was reading through this text, I was, I was praying, God, what, what do you want me to observe here? What's going on? Because a text is kind of like you can think about it like the stars. And so any sermon within that text is like a constellation. So you're taking point and point and point and showing how they line up and, and what they do together. And so as I was praying about this one, because I don't know about you, I've read this text quite a few times. This actually was my Christmas, the part in my Sunday school Christmas program, I memorized this text. And I did that three years in a row. So the third year is easier to memorize. Um, which I still struggle now to read it in a different translation because I memorized the New King James. But I've read this text so many times, like, what more is there? And so I was praying about that. Okay, God, what do we want to talk about today? And sovereignty. We see the sovereignty of God at play. And as we see the sovereignty of God at play, we ask the question, well, what does it mean? And then what does it not mean? Because there's... One positive and there's two negatives. It means that God's timing works out, that God makes things work. But then it, it doesn't mean that we're going to have lives of ease and it doesn't mean that we're going to have lives of comfort. So to start out with, we're going to look at the timing. Because the timing of this is just amazing. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And in those days, so... What do we see God doing? God setting up the time of the world. You know, this, this, is God, this is God choosing. This is God working. This is God making it so that Caesar decides somehow, and, and I don't know how sovereignty works. We'd have to ask Lindy about that because he did a Bible study on it. Right, Lindy? Yeah, Lindy can explain it to you. I don't know how sovereignty works, 
but I know what it does. And sometimes the what is more important than the how. Because we don't, if I knew the how, that wouldn't help me. But if I know the what, that actually grants me the ability to walk in greater confidence. And so the what here, not the how, is we see Caesar deciding somehow that this is the time that all the world needs to be registered. All the world needs to be taxed. We need to figure out how many people there are in Judea. We need to figure out how many people there are in Asia Minor. We need to figure out how many people there are in all these places so that we know how much to charge them for taxation. Because they didn't come and they didn't tax Jim and they didn't come and tax Ken. They came and they taxed Watanwan County. And Watanwan County needs to pay this much money. So that's how they did the taxing. They did it by province. So God put it on Caesar's heart somehow, some way, that this is the time, this time specifically, this is the opportunity. We're going to make this taxation thing go. And God does this in the whole world. You know, that all the world should be taxed. God isn't just doing this in Judea. He doesn't just work in the little, but he works in the big. And he doesn't just work in the big, he works in the little. And that was actually one of the things in our sovereignty study that we talked about. God's sovereignty doesn't just mean that he's in control of the big things, but God is so sovereign that he can even be in control of the little things. And so those little things that are going on in our lives, God works at a worldwide stage in order to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. God worked at a worldwide stage to do a little thing. Think about that. Think how big God is, that he could change world events. You know, world events as in the whole Roman world, this isn't speaking necessarily of Persia, but, you know, he can change Roman world events just to make that one thing that he wants happen, happen. You know, what sort of confidence can we have in a God like that? You might be looking at the things going on in our world saying, I don't know what's going on. You know what? That's fine. God's not saying that. He's not up there scratching his head saying, hmm, what are we going to do with this one? This is God. And not only that, not only is God working at that level, not only is God working to get Joseph and Mary there, God worked in such a way that Mary happened to be betrothed to Joseph during this time. Because if you think about that, I've never really thought about this before. Is there a difference between a betrothed woman being pregnant and just a random single girl being pregnant? Like Joseph's technically the husband here. So what are the responsibilities of a husband? Well, so if you're a betrothed, basically they're fiancés, except they didn't know French. Um, and so... They were, they were set to get married, but their marriages were arranged. And so it would be like you saying, you know what, I'm going to find a decent guy for Emily. Um, and we're going to set this up so that when she reaches a, an age of maturity, so I don't know, 45 or something like that, <laughs> they, can, <laughs> they can get married. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, Abby's got a few more years yet too, so. <laughs> She's like, you're going through counseling now. Um, but... That, so that betrothal was the parents arranging this to happen somewhere along in the line in the future. And 
when they're betrothed, they're considered married, except it hasn't been consummated. And so once it becomes consummated, now they're married, but prior to that consummation, they're just betrothed, but there's responsibilities on the betrothed for both of them. You know, the one, the women were responsible to maintain purity and respectability, and then the husbands, the, or the betrothed men, they actually had a, they had a responsibility for protection and provision when necessary upon their betrothed. And so at this point, Joseph is bringing Mary. We don't know anything about Mary's parents because they're just betrothed. But Joseph is taking this rule, this realm of responsibility, protection for Mary. So he's taking ownership of her. Ownership not in the sense that I own you, but ownership as in the sense of, you know, your problems now are mine. I'm taking those problems. I'm taking those difficulties. Because a single girl, that would have been bad. A betrothed girl, that was still bad. But at least she had, you know, a man there for protection, for provision. Because women at this time, their rights, they didn't have them. Options, they didn't have them. Single girl that wasn't under the protection of her parents, she was prey. But God worked this out so that when Mary became pregnant with the Son of God, she was already under the protection of another earthly person. And so God set this up. We see the sovereignty of God. We see God setting these things up so that Mary and Joseph were able to get to Bethlehem at the right time. Not marry a single girl, but marry a betrothed woman. Even though she was pregnant, even though it hadn't been consummated, God's working this out. So as we see God doing these things, you know, to take a step back and to apply, joking with Kirsten about the God variable, you know, the God variable into all of the things that are going on in this world. I'm sorry to keep using math, but I I often think about life in terms of math because math makes sense to me and life doesn't. Um, So you put in a God variable, Everything becomes possible. And anything becomes possible. Because it's God. So what's going on in our world right now? Is there potential bad? Well, yeah. You stick that God variable in that, and that potential bad becomes potential good. The potential chaos becomes potential order. Potential. We don't know what God's up to, but he's God. If he can put it on Caesar's heart to tax the whole world, just to get Mary and Joseph down to Bethlehem? I think we can have pretty good confidence, like we talked about in our prayer group, confidence in such a God. You know, and so as we're walking in this world and as we're living this out, our media is telling us, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. You know, this, this new COVID strain, it's more, what was it? It's more contagious than any other, but there's no evidence that it's any less lethal. Like, well, there's no evidence either way, so... They're half right. They're just leaving out an important part. YouTube will probably censor me for that. But why do we need to live in fear? We can live in confidence because we know the God that's sovereign. So that's what that means. God's sovereignty says God can work through all of this and God can work in all of this and God does work in all of this and God is bringing about a bigger plan. And that means that we get to live Easy and comfortable lives, right? 
No, not so much. Because you think about the Roman world being taxed. How many of you enjoy paying taxes? I'll, I'll put my hand down too. Um, <laughs> no, but the whole world, the whole Roman world is going to be taxed. That means that they were under occupation. They were ruled by someone that they didn't vote for, that they didn't put into power, that, was, that considered them second-class citizens. Like that's the way that Mary and Joseph interacted with the world. You know, that's, that's the world that the Son of God came into. Also the world that the pilgrims tried to leave and come to America. But you know, that's, that's the world at this point. And that's not an easy situation. A Roman soldier could come in and they could come in and they could steal from you and you'd have no recompense. None. You'd have nowhere to go. You couldn't bring that to anybody. The government would say, I don't care. Governor, the king, What's your piddly problems? You were occupied. You had no rights, but you had responsibilities. You were functionally slaves to the government. I'm not going to make any offhand comments there. But this is, you know, you think, well, God's invading the world. God's sovereign over the world. Why doesn't he just give everyone freedom? I don't know. It's just not the way that it works. Can't I just have my own way? No. God's sovereignty doesn't mean that our lives become easy. The Roman world was occupied. They were under the thumb of the Roman government. And it was hard. Mary and Joseph, they had to travel. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. You know, you think about that. Is travel today hard? No. You know, it's kind of a Pain in the rear end to have to put on a mask in order to go into a convenience store. But that's about it. You know, oh, it's annoying that we have to sit in the car for six hour, or 18 hours to go all the way to Houston. But then we're, you know, traversing the whole United States in 18 hours. You know, they're walking. They're walking in dangerous times because this is a time the Roman soldiers... You were in danger from soldiers, so you were in danger from Romans, and then you were in danger from bandits. You had to figure out your own food. You had to figure out your own water. You're walking for days doing this. You're bringing along whatever you can, and then you're responsible to carry that. They didn't have cars to do this stuff. And so I was reading this. I was like, why didn't God just have Joseph and Mary be born in Bethlehem? Could, could, could God have done that? You know, have you guys ever heard of the butterfly effect? It's a philosophical, um, philosophical idea that a butterfly's wings beating in Brazil can cause a typhoon, a hurricane in the Atlantic Ocean. You know, and so this philosopher, he work, kind of works through, I don't remember, do you, Brian, do you remember the name of the philosopher? I don't either. But he worked through how this is possible, that these little events, these little changes can have huge effects in our world. You know, the beating of a butterfly's wings in some tropical area, or, uh, rainforest area could actually have these large effects on a worldwide scale. So could God have had Mary and Joseph born in Bethlehem so that they wouldn't have had to travel, so that they would have had family there? Yeah, he could have done that, but he didn't. God made them go through the journey. You know, I was thinking about that. That's what God does to us. Could God sanctify us right now? 
You know, each and every one of us could be perfected right now. When Christ comes back, that's what he's going to do, right? That's what we're told in 1 Corinthians. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the last trumpet. I think that's 1 Corinthians. I should have looked that up beforehand. <laughs> but that's what God says. We will all be changed. And so we'll all be sanctified instantly. Could God do that? Yeah. But he hasn't to me. You know, maybe Peg, but I, I haven't experienced it. God wants us to go through that journey. He wants us to travel. God's sovereignty doesn't mean that things are going to be easy. He doesn't take away those hardships. He doesn't take away those difficulties. He doesn't take away those struggles because he wants us to learn to trust him, to rely on him, to walk with him, to participate with him. And he doesn't take away all reasons for doubt either. So if you put yourself into Joseph's shoes, have any of you known to do what the right thing was? You know, you're like, I'm, I need to act in this situation and this is the right thing to do. Have any of you ever been in that situation where you've known to do the right thing? And then when you're doing it, you're asking the question, is this the right thing? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? You're wondering, you're doubting, and Satan's working on you and your brain's working on you asking, am I sure I'm right? Am I, am I doing what God really would want me to do? Is this really what Scripture says? Maybe I missed something. You know, as Joseph is traveling through all this time, through all this situation, going from inn to inn, finding no room, I would wager that Joseph's probably still doubting. Probably still struggling. You know, because we go through those doubts. We go through those struggles. Am I in the right? Am I in God's will? Because even though an angel came to Joseph, you know, it was just a dream. An angel came to Joseph in a dream. Have any of you guys ever had weird dreams? Woke up wondering, what does that mean? What was that? That was some pizza I ate last night. <laughs> no, God doesn't take those away. He calls us to bring them to him. Bring those doubts. Bring those struggles. Bring that. As we're on that journey, that's what we experience. Those hardships. Those are doubts. God wants us to bring those to him because he wants to participate in our lives. He doesn't make things easy. He doesn't make things comfortable. Because Mary still had to give birth while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Do you know that in Buddhist mythology, the Buddha wasn't born? He was immaculately conceived, but he wasn't born. He just came out of her side, out of the side of his mother. No birth necessary. Wouldn't that be great? Just boop, there's the baby. <laughs> I know that would have been easier on Kirsten. Mary, that's, that's not the way that things worked for Mary. Mary had to go through the pain, through the struggle, through the difficulty, through the hardship, through the danger. Because you know what? Giving birth during this day and age was dangerous. You could die. There are lots of mothers who died. There's lots of babies who died in childbirth. So Mary had to go through that. Had to go through that Fear, that turmoil, that difficulty, that hardship. Any of you ever have to go through fear, turmoil, difficulty, hardship? Stop and say, well, thank you, God, because you're allowing me to experience this even in your sovereignty. 
That means that fear, that difficulty, that turmoil, that hardship, this actually becomes a blessing. It becomes a weight by which God makes us stronger. There's a, um, a fitness guru called Pavel Tsatsouin. And in one of his books, he says, the weight teaches. And so he advises in this, one of these books to jump weights. Don't go up two pounds, two pounds, two pounds. He said, go up 18, 10 kilos. And he said, because the weight teaches, you can't cheat. It teaches you how to weigh, how to use it. And I think about that very often after I read that book, it's like, that's deep. The weight teaches. So why did Mary have to give birth? It was a learning, sanctifying, growing opportunity for Mary. To trust, to rely, to look to, to go through the time of turmoil, doubt, pain, suffering. And they had to go through poverty. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there is no place for them in the inn. Swaddling cloths. You think of these nice white linens that they usually have in manger scenes? Yeah, no. These are rags. These are ripped and torn and just whatever stuff they could gather together because Jesus was born into poverty. He wasn't born into a king's mansion. He wasn't born into a castle. He wasn't born into a lord's house. He was born into poverty. God is sovereign. Why don't we just have everything we want? God says, no. Why? You know what? There's probably a billion reasons why. But God says, this is what I've given you. And did God give Jesus enough? Yeah. Here's swaddling cloths. That's all you need. Oh, but I want more. Here's what you need. But I want more. Here's what you need. Thank you, Lord. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable not, you know, wondering. I remember this when I was in college and when I was working for Campus Crusade and they were having all sorts of issues with the IRS and getting me paid because I was in this weird intern B thing. The year after I quit, they actually canceled it for the whole nation. I don't think that was my fault. But um, <laughs> you never know. I went three months without being paid as a college student. I got down to the point where I bought a $30 cup of coffee because I didn't have 97 cents in my checking account. I thought I had money in that. But I went to pay and they accepted my card and that was back in the days when they would do that. And so I had a $30 bill on my debit card because I didn't have 97 cents in my checking account. And I hadn't gone through Brian's budgeting class at that point. So if any of you are in that situation, come talk to Brian. <laughs> that, was, that was tough. I didn't know where my, you know, how am I going to make this work? It worked. I'm here. <laughs> it wasn't even that good of a cup of coffee. <sighs> Shame. God's sovereignty doesn't mean riches. Oftentimes, God's sovereignty means poverty as the world counts it. Do you know the way the world counts things? Who cares? God's sovereignty means, doesn't mean acceptance. Oftentimes, it means rejection. Rejection by the world because there is no place for them in the inn. I was talking to Doug Larson. Um, they, yeah, they've been coming here for a little bit and then because when the COVID thing 
came up. They're hoping, they're looking forward to coming back. So I was talking to Doug Larson, and Doug was saying, you know, why were they even looking for a place in the inn? You know, I never thought about that. Why were they looking for an inn? This is where their family lived, right? Joseph's of the house and lineage of David. He would have had relatives down there. Why would they be looking for an inn? Not only was there no room for an inn, but there is no place among family. You know, there is no place among family, quite possibly. Now, that's speculation. Because we got a betrothed couple where the woman is pregnant. And you know, if a couple that was engaged came up to you and she was pregnant and she said, well, actually, uh, an angel came and told me that the, this is from the Holy Spirit. It'd be like, not only are you pregnant and immoral, you're also insane. You know, think about that. This is what Mary and Joseph are going through. They don't have any relatives that'll take them in. There's no inn that'll take them in. They have to go to a stable for Jesus to be born in a manger. They're rejected by men. There's no place for them in this world. Like if God was sovereign, wouldn't God just open a door? Well, he did. It just wasn't among people. And you know, with all of this, this should give us hope. Because in all of these situations, did God provide? Absolutely. God brought them through. We don't have to be afraid. God is sovereign. When things aren't working out, in the small term, in the short term, we can say, you know what? But God is still sovereign. God will bring us through because no matter what turmoil or struggle or difficulty we have in this world, the greatest lesson that I've ever learned about time is it doesn't stop. We're going to come through. You know, that's the joke about 2020. Well, you know, at least 2021 will come. Well, we didn't really know that. It has come. So we have one of two options. One, I'm going to die and see the Lord. Two, the Lord's going to come back. No matter what goes on here, one of those two things is going to happen. We'll go through. Praise God. We're not to be afraid, do we? We know a sovereign God who will provide what is necessary, who will save us out of this world. So walk in confidence, brothers, sisters. Walk in confidence. This is the God we know. This is the God that Jesus came to reveal to us. And he came in such a way that even his coming revealed it to us. So we can trust. We can trust. Because God is sovereign. Amen. Let us pray. Father, even though I don't understand fully how your sovereignty works, Still can trust your timing. Still can trust your working. Still can trust your providing. Lord, even the fact that it was brought up today in our prayer group, it's your timing. Thank you. Lord, I thank you that that fit in with what we're talking about now. Lord, we thank you. So as we experience difficulty, Father, I pray that we would have the wisdom to thank you. As we experience discomfort, I pray that we would have the humility to say thank you. 
Lord, that we wouldn't grow weary of your disciplines, Lord, but that we would grow in wisdom and knowledge and fear of you. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.